Welcome to Out of Order, a German martial film podcast where we discuss how the world was, is, and will be ordered. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, GMF's editorial director, and today we're talking about Europe and the European Parliament elections. I'm joined today by Rosa Balfour, who's a senior policy fellow with GMF's Europe program, and she's calling in from our Brussels office. Thank you, Rachel. Glad to be here. So to set the stage, European citizens are going to the polls in just a couple days to vote in a new European parliament. The last European parliament elections were in uh, 2014. So this was pre-Brexit and in fact, even pre-migration crisis. Basically, it feels like a completely different world. And as a result of that and all the drama that's been going on in Europe the last couple of years, um, this election is being framed quite dramatically. Wouldn't you agree? Well, the first point that is interesting to remember is that you're quite right. It was pre-Brexit, pre-Trump, pre-migration crisis. Uh, But nonetheless, the incoming president of the European Commission called the current commission, the one that is about to come to an end, it called it the commission of the last chance. So even five years ago, there was a sense of drama around the European Parliament elections. This year, that sense of drama is even stronger, partly because of the way in which political actors have been describing these elections as make or break, as a turning point for Europe. Macron has said uh, that this is a matter of Europeans, of the survival of the European integration project, whereas populist uh, far-right leaders such as Matteo Salvini in Italy have been arguing that this is finally the opportunity to uh, bring to an end the established uh, elite and to uh, shake uh, European integration in a, in a comprehensive way. So, and, and uh, Viktor Orban as well in Hungary has been using similar kind of language. You know, this is the opportunity to destroy the establishment and to end post-1968 uh, Europe. So the, so the political leaders have been trying quite hard to make this Um, a battle, a struggle for survival. Um, Of course, until now, the European Parliament elections do not, have not been attracting much, that much attention. Uh, Fewer than half Europeans actually bother to go and vote. So it will be interesting to see whether raising the stakes around the elections will actually make Europeans a bit more interested in what happens in the the European Parliament and bring them out to vote uh, a little bit more. Yes, that is interesting. I guess we'll know in in a few days. So you mentioned that part of the reason that this election is viewed as a, as a high-stakes event is the threat of the nationalist or populist parties. And I know you've been working on a research project, a paper, together with um, other colleagues from GMF, looking at populist parties across Europe. So what have you found? How similar are the parties? Are they united? Do they have different visions? Yes. Well, um, many multiple answers to this question. There are many populist parties Um, that are doing rather well across Europe. They are very diverse uh, among each other, so it's difficult to make generalisations. Most of them do have um, a strong anti-EU agenda. Um, Some of them are very critical, but they're not necessarily anti-EU. So that would be one feature that brings them together. Uh, The other issue to look out for is the fact that Their prime space of um, action is at the national level, and we have different pictures in different countries. Um, And the fact that uh, some countries have strong populist parties and others do not will play out, it will balance out in the European Parliament. Um, So what we're seeing 
But having said all this, uh, first of all, these parties are pitted, are, are expected to do well. Um, and secondly, populist parties are in government in some EU member states. Uh, so when the elections come and when the vote comes, it will be important to look not just at the aggregate vote, but also at how uh, parties perform in individual countries. Poland will be very important. Poland is a country which is governed by a uh, populist party, the Law and Justice Party, which is it's a minority party in terms of votes, but the electoral system has, uh, you know, has ensured that it is in power. It has been having uh, important problems uh, with the European Union and with the European Union in institutions because um, it has deliberately eroded the rule of law in that country. Um, so it really symbolizes one of the challenges that populism brings to the whole European edifice, and that is that if democracy is undermined, this is of consequence also for other European countries and not just for the Polish people. And um, it is very unclear whether Poland, when it goes to national elections in the autumn, whether it will confirm this government or whether the opposition will win. So the European Parliament elections will be uh, an important test for uh, Poland. And the outcome is really not certain. Uh, there are, um, it looks, there are several signs whereby the government doesn't seem to be confident that it will win the elections in October. The Polish elections will be very important for the rest of Europe, for, the, for, the, for how the European integration project uh, moves forward. Another country that is, um, well, France is the obvious country where a lot of attention is focused on because, uh, precisely because of Macron's role um, in the European Parliament elections and the fact that at the national level it has been very personalised as a battle between Macron and Le Pen, um, a kind of rerun of the presidential elections in 2017. And at the moment, they are polling very closely to each other. So they're both uh, battling to become the first party. In addition to the fact that uh, Marine Le Pen is a pretty classic radical right populist party that, has been, that is present in France for 25 years, if not longer, and is part of a, a pan-European alliance uh, to really make uh, Europe something different. Until very recently, her party, which is now called uh, Rassemblement National, was campaigning in favour of, of a referendum to leave the European Union. So, so there, there's a big challenge there. But at the same time, Macron has also renewed French politics by creating a new movement that is likely to join the liberal forces in the European Parliament. And it has changed the political party system in France. Other mainstream parties have been doing very badly, the socialists and the, the, the Gaullists. So there's, there's a big shake-up of national politics and the French story is likely to have a big impact on the European story. Then, of course, we have other countries uh, such as Italy, which has been governed for uh, slightly over a year by a coalition of two populist parties, which are at odds against each other at national level at the moment. They are competing with each other for votes. Uh, the coalition is struggling. So the outcome of the European Parliament elections will be an indicator of where Italy may go, whether the coalition will collapse or whether they will continue to work together. We need to see the outcome of the um, election results. But also Italy being a large country and uh, like, it is likely to deliver um, a strong contingent 
of populist uh, MEPs in the next European Parliament, which are unlikely to form the same political group. At the moment, they're not in the same political group. They will also contribute to making the next European Parliament a space for debate, but also for polarised politics. You mentioned earlier that this is being framed as a make-or-break election and uh, mainstream parties are trying to motivate EU supporters to go to the polls. European Parliament um, election turnout is traditionally low by European standards, less than 50%. I think it was low low to mid-40s the last two elections, in fact. So would it be right to say that there are basically two scenarios? Um, on the one hand, we get the high turnout that people are hoping, or higher higher turnout, um, and then a moderate or disappointing show for the populists um, and the Eurosceptic parties. Or on the other hand, we have a similar turnout to previous elections. The youth of Europe stays home, and the Eurosceptics win big. Yes. Well, I mean, the, 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 we have millions of voters who are undecided. And the undecided voters are those who make polls difficult to predict with certainty. So yes, but that is the scenario. That is the scenario. We're seeing it happen. But because the European Parliament elections are essentially elections in 28 countries, it's very difficult to to credibly uh, make predictions about the outcome. Um, and it is also important to uh, look out for this, the stories happening at the national level, uh, precisely because, well, traditionally, European uh, Parliament elections have been seen as midterm national elections or local elections. You know, either people go and vote against the government or they vote whatever because it doesn't really matter. So, uh, or at least that's how citizens have perceived it. It's not true because European Parliament is a co-legislator in the EU, but the linkage between the European Parliament's work and the European public space has been very weak. And maybe this is the first time that this link, link is actually strengthened a little bit. But it does make predictions very difficult. And um, I think we need to work on scenarios. One is in uh, a scenario in which the anti-EU parties do well and what might be the implications of that. Um, And the other is that precisely because of the surge in populist parties and anti-EU parties, that the mainstream parties actually change tactics and uh, start uh, thinking up uh, different kinds of messaging. Uh, We're beginning to see this with the Spitzenkandidatin process. Um, The debates have been perhaps somewhat more lively than five years ago, but this is taking time. So I I wouldn't place my bets on the mainstream political parties and the traditional party system bouncing back quite yet. I think we still have a bit of bit of a rough ride and I think the challenge that populists uh, pose are challenges that are here to stay. But it doesn't mean that the European integration project is being wrecked. So some have projected that the Eurosceptic populist bloc might even be the second biggest group in Parliament. But we also know that the powers of the European Parliament are, are relatively limited. So what would be the consequences of a pretty big populist win? What changes could they make in the short to medium term? Well, in the European Parliament, it looks likely that the populist parties on the left, which tend to be in favour of more equality, they're a bit anti-trade, a bit protectionist, critical of Eurozone governance, etc. They are likely to remain stable and play a marginal role in the debates. To the right, we are seeing, well, there is actually an agreement among several important parties to form an alliance. This includes parties from countries such as France, Italy, 
Austria, Germany with the alternative for, for uh, Deutschland. And they are courting quite aggressively Fidesz and Viktor Orban. Uh, Fidesz is currently a suspended member of the centre-right party. So there will be a dynamic playing out there. And that dynamic will be important. If the far right manages to form a large group in the parliament, then it means that they will have a legitimate claim to having presidencies of committees, of playing a bigger role in shaping the debate. They already have a sizable group in the parliament, but so far they have been ineffective and have not had much of an impact. If they've managed to form a larger group, then it is likely that they will have more of an impact, but that they will not be able to change policy because there will continue to be pro-European majorities in the European Parliament. So what possible impacts could they have? They could have an impact in terms of framing debates. Um, they could have an impact in terms of putting pressure on the other parties. And they could have an impact in, and this is partly what has happened already, in dividing the centre-right party, in particular the European People's Party. Uh, so that could shake politics in a way, but it's less likely to influence the, the actual policy agenda. But there's two areas which are particularly important. The first is that the next European Parliament will be vetting commissioners for the next commission. Here they could play a role. They could be quite assertive. Um, it could impact the quality of the next commission, especially in light of the fact that the representatives at the commission are nominated by the governments. And given that we have three or four governments which are led by populist, uh, radical right populist coalitions, or coalitions that include radical right populists, to be more precise, um, then we need to see what type of appoint appointments they're going to make and how Parliament will, will manage. Should the populists, especially the radical right populists, do well in the European Parliament elections, it will definitely embolden them to be even more ambitious on the European agenda. Um, so that is, so they will, they will make full use of what, whatever they can achieve uh, through the European Parliament, but most importantly, they will play a role in shaping national uh, politics, uh, possibly differently, putting pressure on existing governments uh, or pursuing a populist um, agenda at the national on level. The hand, and this will and uh, eventually get to the populist parties in the European Parliament. We should not be uh, too worried. On the other hand, let's not be complacent because should the populist parties do well and should an anti-EU agenda be successful among Europeans, this will embolden them and it might well change their tactics and strategies vis-a-vis uh, -vis mainstream parties, vis-a-vis -vis, um, in the context of national politics. And this eventually will play out at the level of the Council of the EU or the European Council. Okay, so yeah, that sounds good. I think that's a good place to stop it and say we will look ahead and see what happens after the polls close at the end of the coming weekend. We will post a link after the elections to the report that Rosa has been working on about the populist parties once we know how they do in the election. So look for that on the show page or on the GMF website. And Rosa, thanks again. Thanks a lot for joining me. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Out of Order, a German Marshall Fund podcast. The show is produced by Zachary Tarrant and me, Sydney Simon. 